Namaste, motherfuckers. And welcome to Tantra Conversation, episode number 70, Rashad Penn. Uh, I recorded this interview or conversation with Rashad months ago. I don't even remember when exactly. And at that time, I was uh, trying to get a little, some kind of little musical project together with our mutual friend Tab, and uh, that ended up falling through, and I got all butthurt about it, and I got butthurt about playing music in general. I was like, I'm just going to take my ball and go home, and um, and that ended up affecting podcasting, too. I hadn't recorded a podcast since this one with Rashad, and I obviously haven't posted one, haven't played any music. I've just been slogging away at my job and getting more and more muggle-like all along, and uh, I just decided to snap out of it. And uh, get this podcast posted. Um, I haven't talked to Tab or Rashad or any of those guys in a while. They had started playing music together. I, I think they've got some kind of project going, but I don't really know. Um, so I got no information about it. But I guess if you know those guys or you are friends with them on Facebook or something, you can probably figure it out. But it doesn't really matter because it's really just about, again, a couple of guys from Richmond sitting down and having a conversation about music in Richmond and whatever personalities drinking not drinking whatever side of that you happen to be on um i think you know which side of it i'm on uh yeah so fuck man it's been like three months since i've posted one of these and i've been thinking about it and thinking about things that i um wanted to say or do and you know this is kind of a pattern with me in creative projects i sort of get to a certain point with it and and I just go, well, I think I just did what I set out to do. And uh, it's enough for me. I've never really been able to stay super focused or dedicated to any creative endeavor. Whether that being playing music or writing or acting or any of those things. I do it for a little while. I kind of prove to myself I can and then I knock it off. And uh, I don't know what that is. I could be all that fear of success, fear of failure shit I hear so much about. But I think it's just a short attention span. I just can't really stay into anything for too long. I don't get, I don't stay excited about it. I don't stay inspired by it. Um, I just kind of fade on that shit. And uh, that's kind of got its parallels in other aspects of my life, especially the uh, romantic world. Pretty much the same way. Just uh, sent somebody else on their way that I had been spending a lot of time with and getting getting serious about but you know there's a certain part of me that uh when i get serious i'm i'm trying to adopt this role that i think i'm supposed to be in i, I try to start trying to be a man like i think a man's supposed to be you know this guy who just kind of shuts his mouth and pays for everything and it's just like the rock and is the really steady um you know strong silent type and uh but the feminist in me can't really keep that up too long because I honestly believe that women feminists mean what they say when they say they want things to be equal. So if they want things to be equal, then they should be shelling out dough equally and doing all that other shit equally. And it shouldn't be like you get to have it both ways in fucking double standard that you are independent, you get to do whatever you want, say whatever you want, go wherever you want, and the dude you're with just uh, stays in one place and pays for everything. And doesn't say shit, doesn't ever complain, doesn't ever raise his voice, all that stuff. Uh, I don't know, I just can't, I get, I, I try this, like, you know, this model of manhood 
for a while, and it's kind of like being stretched like a rubber band. And I get to a certain point, and I just snap, and I say, Get the fuck out of here! Be gone! And, uh, I don't know. I guess if I truly loved somebody, that wouldn't happen, but I'm guessing that hasn't happened yet. I just keep trying to fake it till I make it, and I don't think that's the thing you're supposed to do in romantic relationships. I think it's just supposed to feel right. It's supposed to be there. And, uh, I don't know. I haven't had that experience yet. I just keep staying in the, uh, judgmental side of things with the women I get involved with and, and um, finding them lacking. The more time I spend with them, the more uh, critical I am and the more I got a problem with everything. And I know I'm the common denominator in this. I'm the one with the problem. And uh, I think, I don't know what I'm going to do about it, but I guess the first step is to admit it, right? Admitting it. So I admit it. I'm pretty impossible to be in any kind of relationship, whether that is musical or romantic. Um, I flipped out on Tab the same way after he said he was going to go off and play music with these other guys, and um, that's what I do. So I'm admitting this freely to you guys. Um, so if you ever feel stupid about behaving like I do, just recognize it's there's me out there freely admitting that I get butt hurt about stuff and. I don't know what to do with myself, and I overreact. And uh, every day and every way, I'm trying to get better and better. Having said that, let's listen to this conversation between me and Mr. Rashad Penn. I'm going to go ahead and start it up. Um, yeah, it's this ought to be interesting though, because Tab was over here. He, you know, he plays guitar with me, and he says, "You getting you and Rash- Rash- is it Rashad or yes, yeah, Rashad. Rashad in the same room would be very ADD because both of you guys. <laughs> I don't know if you should be in a band together or play music together, or any of that kind of shit. <laughs> no, like I jam with Tab, and he like was showing me like the the problem. Like sometimes with jamming with certain people, it's like. You have to have a drummer for that. Yeah. And Tab's like one of those type of people, I think. I'm, it was the first time I ever had jammed with him, and uh-huh. he is way better at guitar than I am. Well, that's his, That's the thing, is that he's he's really good at it. He There's no, like, mystery to it, to him, whereas maybe you are the kind of people that's just, like, been kind of figuring it out as well, we go, that kind of thing. Here's it. And he he knows everything there's to know about. It. He knows exactly what he wants to play. He sits there and watches these videos, and he reads tablature and he gets it. And he knows it, he knows it exactly. And I'm I like to just get you know plug in and try to figure it out. Like you know? here's yeah. the thing with me as far as like guitar goes. Like I've been playing in, in bands like for a long time, and mm-hmm. oh, I've been the front man in bands for a long time, and. There's only like a select few people that know I actually can play guitar. So when I asked Tab to come jam with me, I knew what I was taking on with him because like I've seen him play in Apocalypse Dudes and and that was like the first time I ever really I'm pretty sure I've hung out with him through the collection of just me being in Richmond. Right. But, you know, half the time I'm just I'm I'm like a straight bullet fighter in a nursery. It yeah. never ends well. <laughs> yeah. But 
he's an amazing guitar player. And I was like, hey, I kind of want to do something different than what I'm normally doing. I got this idea. You want to come jam with me? Um, so he came over. We hang out. We're drinking a couple beers. And I was like, yeah, I know it's cold as shit. I got this garage and I got mm -hmm. equipment in it. Let's go out there and jam. So, like, he came out there and showed me a couple riffs. And I was just like, I got to figure out your box. I think that's from being in bands for such a pretty decent amount. I think I've been in bands for a decent amount of time. I'm still fucking young. But um, yeah. I think guitarists, is, they, guitarists, they have boxes that they play in. Mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. Oh, I, I see what you mean. Well, like I got you. Like what his what his yeah, like his, his pattern and his whole yeah, yeah, yeah. So like his pattern was new to me, and I was a pretty rudiment. Uh, I guess let me try to find the right word. Well, rudimentary? A rudi rudimentary uh -huh. is that the right word? Is that a word? It I might be making it up. No, nah, man. But uh, I was in this band called Chalkline Beauty, and I had a guitarist. His name's Chris Whitehurst. He also right now he's playing in the gospel and. Gospel. That's is that Todd's band. That's that's Todd Corvin and yeah. Mike Gibson, and I think maybe Mike Shub might be playing in oh, it. Really? I don't know. I don't know if Where maybe I shouldn't have said anything Mike about Shube? that. Channel Forty Three. Jim Jim Shub. Right. You mix it up. Two <laughs> oh people my like... god. I, I they... miss. I'm mixing names. I have so many names in my head. I, but, I um... just contacted him the other day. I haven't seen him in a long time. Um, but Chris, he also used to be in this band called Positive State, like back Chris, in. Yeah, Chris has been playing with Todd and different stuff. Yeah, he's been with Todd. He was yeah. in Barstool Heroes right, right. with Randy. He's right. still in Barstool Heroes. But before all of that, he was in Positive State. And for those that are from Northern Virginia, he was in Turner. Mm -hmm. And What's Chris's main instrument? He's a drummer? He's a guitar player. Oh, he's a guitar player. And... How I came about finding about Chris was totally random. I was in Chalkline Beauty, or the, what, era, what time period is that? This is probably early two thousands. I would say like probably maybe two thousand between two thousand one two thousand three somewhere in that. Okay, in that because I just had my daughter. That's that's like Devil Tones era. Yeah, yeah. The, like the Devil Tones were still kicking it. The, like our during that as time, much as we could have been said to have ever kicked it. <laughs> during that time, <laughs> when we got Chris, Devil Tones had just got signed to some sort of uh, oh, that Italian, Italian label, label. yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. And it was like you know, it was big news. It was it was on. Uh, <laughs> I think at the time it was called like the Buzz or WVGO, which the X became. Mm. Really, that was on there. It was. It was. Huh. It was spoke about. I, I think I'd quit by then. That was some <laughs> shit Rick set up. That Rick uh, Rick Surly. Rick Surly. Yeah, I know Rick Surly. I know like all those guys. Like the devil. Like I know all those cats. There's been 50 people in that band since. Like it started with Randy and me at Cary Street Cafe. I mean, he, and he'd had a band called the Devil Tones before in North Carolina, and then he and I started it, and then we got Rick, and then it was and Buddy. This guy, buddy, who's and he no also had his... Love Crush and uh, right. Bloody Mary. And Bloody Mary, you know about all that shit. Yeah, I had a, I have been, a blood, I have a Bloody Mary CD. There's like been as many people in Devil Tones as there been at going through VCU or something like that in this town. That's yeah. that was the best I could do. It. That's horrible. I could have made a better analogy than that. <laughs> anyway, so you were in Chalkline Beauty. I was in Chalkline Beauty, and we 
this is all building up to how I learned up how to be a better guitar player. Mm. Um, we posted a, a flyer up in Soundhole mm-hmm. when Soundhole moved from the West End to the VCU area. Right. We posted a flyer up where we're looking for a guitar player, and I got a call from Chris Whitehurst, and I, for some odd reason, this is a running joke. I thought it was like a chubby white dude when I talked to him <laughs> on the phone. <laughs> like, I swear to God. And when he showed up at my door, I was like, holy shit, it's a brother. Like, this must this is what it's like when doves cry. Yeah. Like, I was like, hell yeah, I won't be the only black guy in this thing. <laughs> so he came out and jammed out with us. And he is an amazing guitar player. And just by what – I've always been rudiment. Like mm-hmm. – I'm not fancy. Mm-hmm. I don't have like any really sparkle when it comes right. to playing guitar. I just I consider it like an extension of what I'm trying to do. Yeah, I just yeah. would beat on it mm-hmm. pretty much. Mm-hmm. But listening to him, and we would when he first joined the band, we had these periods of time where like all right, well everybody was like all right, well we done, we worked on this stuff, and everybody would leave. Um, and I was like, hey, you're really awesome. Like, you know, let's jam together. And that's pretty much me playing with him kind of got me to a different level. That so, was, and that was Chalkline Beauty? Or was yeah, that, that was yeah. Chalkline Beauty. I never played guitar in the band, right, like, as, uh, as, like, if we were doing a show. I was right. just the front man. Right, right. I did help write some songs. Mm-hmm. And which is my whole thing about like with music, like I might not be the guitar player in anything, but I think if you make a good band, how good bands coalesce together, everyone does something. Yeah. It's not just like one person like, Oh, look at me, look at me. Like, I think you probably saw more of that, like coming through like the seventies going to the eighties and maybe Mm -hmm. early nineties where it was just like, all right, we have these showcase periods of this person. Oh, yeah. Like, there's always some shredder guitar player yeah. in the band everybody's looking at. And there isn't as much of that these days. You don't, you're not hearing people talking about the the guitar player in the band the way that they did in the 80s. And shit. Well, yeah. there, there is, but it's it's different. It's I think more people are talking about guitar players or drummers or a specific genre. I think that's more in the lines of... I think today's like metal or metalcore right. or whatever. Like you know, you you can go YouTube. Like okay, they made a nine string guitar. Yeah, yeah. There's two. They make basses with too many strings too now. What's up with that? The, yeah, I, you know, I, I, maybe I, I'm wrong about that because truth is, I'm just not really paying attention to who like because I'm sure if I picked up a metal magazine there'd be some guy on the cover like with his guitar and he'd be talking about how you when was the solo. last time you picked up a hip parader <laughs> did they even still make them I think they do <laughs> I I feel like I've I haven't touched one but <laughs> I think the last one I ever touched had system of the down on it yeah <laughs> I've looked at them at uh, usually they catch my eye when it's like it's lamb of god on the cover and I'm always like wow that's funny 
you know, these guys from Richmond, you know. So I see them in, like, magazine racks at 7-Eleven, and I go, oh, yeah, they still have those. Uh, Metal Edge or Hit Parader or I, I think something like that. That's one of the things that's really awesome about Richmond is there's been so much music that has come out of it. Mm-hmm. Like, no matter what genre, you can say, all right, well, let's go off of rock and roll, DOS mm-hmm. FX. You remember that? Oh, Yeah. <laughs> My head bones connected to my... Dude. Yeah, they actually <laughs> but, played here. I mean... Well, or did you say they, they, they weren't from here. They right? were... Uh, I think from one of the members was from here and the other one's from the Tidewater. I could be wrong, and I'm pretty sure someone will call me out on it. Yeah. So if anybody cares, please straighten us out on this one. You hear it. But, I remember them playing at Ivory's... Uh, oh, God, I remember that place. And oh, yes. Everybody I rem- played there. Yeah, you know, I remember Ivory's. I, I probably remember it for other cognitations other than people playing there. More like there were cops there. Like, yeah. All the time. We came out of a Guar show one time and a whole bunch of dudes. Came, there was like, you know, the crowd came out of the Guar show. The crowd came out of the Ivory show and people just started coming over and throwing fists. Yeah, but just, that's Richmond. Like, it's yeah. like we've had even now. Like in, you know, going past the, you know, Millennium Scare and all this kind of BS, like we've had like, you know, we are, we're, we are a college town and like mm-hmm. people come in flux, like yeah. VCU has grown exponentially mm-hmm. over the past, I mean, you can even scale it back down to when I was in school, which was 97, 98. They grew in a space of a year that they had so many people coming in that they had to rent a hotel to yeah. house them. So, like, you're going to get, especially because at the time that they were known to be an art school. Now they're getting more known. Mm-hmm. I mean, they were always a medical school, but the art aspect was still lingering behind it. Yeah, yeah. Now they're getting known for engineering and all these other kinds of things. So it's always opening up and it's always growing. But you get this influx of people, you get this influx of ideas from different people, and the scene changes. So, like, the music scene changes, and you kind of adapt with it, and you kind of go with it, and you see where it goes. Mm -hmm. Because when I was going to VCU, I think what was my monumental marker when I decided I really wanted to play music was... And this is going to sound like we're really simple, but I got was hanging out with some friends, and I'd never heard of the 1208 house on Franklin. Mm-hmm. I'd never heard of it. I heard the Twisters had been there a billion times and et cetera, et cetera. And how old were you at this point? I was 18. I don't want to mess with your train of thought, but are you lo- like local? Did you grow up in? Yeah, I grew up here. Okay. So, I'm from Charles City, which is oh, yeah? really, like that's a whole nother podcast. Are you? No, that's part of this podcast. That's very interesting. I'm from Charles City. And I was like the only go way back in Charles City. Yeah, they do. Like my mom is from Charles City. My dad's from Martinsville. So it's just like your last two... name's Penn. Yes, you're not related. You're not any connection to Sherman though from Lotsey and Hardy. Do you know him? He lives out in Charles City. He's, he has a. Uh, I mean, like, it's a really small you country. You kind of remind me of him. So, That's like, why I it, asked. Like, your eyes look like his. I mean, like well, that. here's the thing is what you get into with Charles City and, pl- and small places like this, especially being – and I didn't want to make, like, this known, like, in our conversation. When you're a black guy 
in a, in a pretty predominantly black area, and you like com- something completely different, right? Then no one likes, and there's nothing interjected into your your being to say that like why would you like that it, mm-hmm. it's weird yeah i grew up like in a it's a pretty predominantly black area there are the part of charles city you're from yes mm-hmm. i mean there are of course there are white people that live everywhere there are mm-hmm. black people that live everywhere but at the the time you know it, let's, this is the eight, early 80s um i'm a kid and the first thing i see on tv the first mental music imagery that i remember mm-hmm. is American Bandstand, which I loved watching every Saturday because it was, like, completely different. And my, my my family didn't get it. Mm-hmm. That's Dick Clark hosted that, right? Dick yeah, Clark. Yeah, yeah, yeah. American da, Bandstand. Da, 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 and then he had da, 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 something else da, 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 afterwards that I didn't – that I didn't – I don't remember now. Like, I can't – oh, it's Casey Kasem's top ten. Right, right. That was after American Bandstand. Yeah. So, like, I grew up watching those things, and the first music video I ever saw, the first two, because this is what I think colored me, was AHA, and that was Take On Me, mm-hmm. and Guns N' Roses. Uh, I gotta search was it Welcome right to the Jungle? It was Welcome to the Jungle. Yeah. That was, and that's when I developed that's this a thing. Hell of a- but, you know, I could. <laughs> but, like, you know, when you're a kid, like, at the time, Tumble. I'm like six or seven. Mm-hmm. Somewhere in that area, maybe eight at the latest, I'm like, holy shit, this is, like, awesome. Why am I not watching more of this? And then you know how I watched those, I, like, at the time, like, again, I'm from Charles City, but I, my dad's side of the family is from Martinsville, and I would go visit them. And because my uncle used to play for the Dallas Cowboys, they had a lot more money mm-hmm. than – my uh, family up here did so. Mm-hmm. Like my mom, we never had cable, but when I go to visit them, they had cable. They had all the stuff. Yeah, like MTV. Like I watching MTV the yeah, whole time. I, I, like when yeah. I when I figured out what MTV was, like real MTV, not MTV today, right? But MTV, I was just like, videos. videos why videos. am I not doing this? Like I couldn't wait. Like so that seed was planted. Fast forward years in advance. Or not in advance, kind of retarded. Years later? What years later. <laughs> years later. Years later. I, uh, you know, I gone through all, I was a great athlete in school. What did you play? I played football and basketball, and I was on the wrestling team. So were and, you saying, like, you got into that shit and you started liking it, but, like, you didn't have any friends that were into it also? I didn't, and, I didn't have any you, at all. They like felt like you were some kind of aberration. Cause oh, my God. You know, they made so much. And guns are, they made so much fun of me. I was like the only black kid with a cut-off denim jacket mm-hmm. with Guns N' Roses scrawled upon its back. And people were like, what? The, at this time, people were like rocking Adidas and breakdancing. Granted, I love those things. Right, right. I love – what was it? What was the breakdancing movie? Uh, been a bunch electric, of them. electric Boogaloo. Yeah, break, it was just like Breaking break 2. Breaking 2. That was when it was Breaking. Breaking. Like, yeah. I watched both. So I was like – I could just never be as rhythmic, and I just wasn't as smooth as all the brothers and shit. So I was just like, you know what? Like, maybe I should just do what I can do. I was never, I just never was smooth. I just, I, I couldn't pull it off. There, you know, we, we tend to, I mean, I grew up in Richmond. I grew up over here in Churchill. And 
we tend to accept like for some weird reason like your you, your the music you listen to is is supposed to match the color of your skin or some shit. Except that at some point it gets like it's 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 more normal for kids to uh, white kids to be listening to hip hop than it is for black kids to be listening to rock and roll at some point, you know. Or and yet all of that music was originally made by the same people, you know. Exactly. Right? I mean, with Chuck like, Berry, I, I, Chuck I, 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 th- I think like <laughs> Little Richard. Yeah. At the time, like, you know, like, aside from whatever I was into, I think I knew that. I think music is one of those things that transitions color tone, barriers. And I, growing up, I could always, like, equate a song to a memory. Mm-hmm. So everyone has memories. It doesn't matter if you're black or white or Puerto Rican or whatever. Right, like, right. It's one of those things that I always thought that could bridge people. Like, it does, and, yeah, it, it's the it, to me, it's the indication that there's a hell of a lot more alike about all people than different. Like Keith Richards was talking about at some point. I mean, rock and roll, the rhythms of rock and roll, stuff, especially that early shit coming out of blues. It's African, right? But kids, like that's where syncopation comes from. That being interjected into the music, but but dudes that have never been anywhere near the south of United States guys that live in Sweden hear that shit and they love it you know it's something that it's 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 universal right and I don't know why we I mean you know the reason it gets divided up in all of this shit is for marketing you know that and like Alan Freed renamed rhythm and blues rock and roll so that uh, white parents wouldn't get upset about the white kids going to the black rock you know the uh, rhythm and blues show so he just made a different thing. Exactly. Marketing, you know. Like, here's the funny thing is, like, I grew up with these ideas and they weren't, they weren't, insti- they weren't instilled to me by anybody in my community. Right. Not to say that anybody in my community was bad. They just didn't get me. Mm-hmm. And, like, you know, I wouldn't take, I wouldn't take back any of the razzing or any of the things that they did to me because then I wouldn't be who I am right, right. now. Right. So, like, whatever. I, you like me or not. Fish out of water out there. I mean, you know, out there in Charles City. Make your way into the city. But the so. thing about it is, is when you get down to the base of what I was into, if it wasn't for cats like Muddy Waters and uh, his name escapes me right at the point in time i really want to make it man who sold a soul to the devil at the crossroads robert johnson, robert yeah. johnson. Yeah. if it wasn't for people like that yeah and he was like uh, the, the earliest one yeah elvis wouldn't exist right. no, there would be no rock and roll so the, all the the cats there were like oh you listen to that white boy music I'm like we were the reasons why the white boys have music mm-hmm. Yeah, because I mean, it's the thing is like I, I went through a period like in the in the '90s where I was like, all music has been stolen from black people, white people are lame, all of this sucks. But the thing that actually happened is that a bunch of people collided here, you know, in the United States, right? You have people from Africa, people from Europe, you know, old folk music from Europe, old Irish folk music, old English folk music. Then you got the folk music from Africa, you know, and everybody gets together and they're trading instruments and all this shit. And it was made by all the people here you know it's like a distinctly american thing it came from the collision of like completely different cultures you know making music and then the civil war happens and marching bands leave the instruments all over the fields out there and people take them into their houses and like i understand the first drum kit came out of that 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 would have been 
those all would have been marching band instruments, and they were left in the field after a battle, and somebody just took it in. And- That's why we still have marching <laughs> bands at 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 galas like football, basketball, whatever sport. Yeah, it's a it's a war thing, but like after the war, the in the ruins of that shit, out of that comes like the earliest earliest like you know people playing you know instruments like this, putting a drum kit together and and doing all of that. And so it didn't. It's American music. You know, it's not white music. It's not black music. It's everybody's. Music, exactly. You know? That's right. And and it, and it speaks to people who are from the cultures that fed into it. You know, like that old European folk music. That's why those English kids hear Muddy Waters and they're like, it resonates with them. And then they want to, you know, the Rolling Stones, all those guys, they want to rip that, rip it off. I think know? that like <laughs> mostly like here was like the biggest thing when I was growing up, like especially me being the rock and roll, but. I, like I said, I would go to my grandparents' house and I would like, have access to MTV. And they would freak out when they were like, you listen to that devil music. I'm like, <laughs> now as an adult, I'm like, hey, if it wasn't for us, there would be no devil music. So like, why don't you just chill out? But the thing about music, I think any artist, no matter you're famous or not, I think the real people that are musicians understand the fact that music transcends all barriers Mm -hmm. and that was no matter how like i've been drunk and spouting off yelling at people i I was listening again i was listening to podcasts that you were you have on your uh tantric uh page and just listening to like some of the things that you would say like i am that type of person i would go like yeah that shit sucks fuck that those Mm -hmm. guys are horrible but now that I'm getting older, I'm more like, well, yeah, maybe it sucks right now, but maybe if I could say, hey, if you might, uh, this is just my opinion. If you try to do this, maybe you will connect a little bit better, mm-hmm. and it might, be, it might, you know, progress more instead of just being like, oh, automatically, oh, they fucking suck. Oh, they're <laughs> not, they're not 1996 when I went to the, yeah, the. The twelve oh eight house and saw no knife, blah 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 blah. That's it's, futile. Everybody gets uh, it, for whatever reason. I mean, especially all right. So you grew up feeling like you know uh, you didn't fit in, whatever. And but you knew you heard the calling of the thing that you did fit into, rock and roll or whatever. I grew up like that too. And so wherever somebody finds that thing that isn't, I mean, and you, and you obviously you were a jock, so you fit into that, I guess. But you know, on some level, but. You know, just because like, I was big, I ate a lot of cornbread. They were just <laughs> like, "We got to get this big nigga on the on the field." <laughs> he was like, "Oh shit, he just dropped the M mom." Yeah, yeah. I was really like, I was really tall and really big, so they were like, you know, and he's angry, so let's put him on a field somewhere. Right. But th- what I was gonna say is just like it seems like, at least this is my experience that I, you know, I found something like when I when I got out of high school and I got to VCU, I found a lot of people that were like, like-minded, you know, and they turned me on all this music and I got into all of this stuff. And, you know, you like want to jealously guard that stuff. Like, you know, as, as corny as it is now, the red hot chili peppers were like one of the coolest bands in the world at that point. And when the frat boys started liking that stuff, it's like, it's over, it's ruined. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, that's the truth. Blitz. You know, and you go through that, but after a certain point, like I know me, I paint. I got myself so only, you know. It, I was the only one that liked anything that I liked. That like I had nobody to connect with, you know. And I and I, I liked myself way all the way into hating on everything 
until I was back alone like I was when I didn't fit in, you know, when I was a nerd kid. And then, then I started saying, man, I need to connect with more people. Like, stop worrying about the clothes and stop worrying about the uh, time, what, how old you were when you got into the Ramones or any of that kind of stuff and just... You know. I got every I got into everything that I love backwards. Yeah. And and that's it's always been awkward for me because like I meet these people and they're like so enigmatic. Ig- mm-hmm. Like they have like they have a history mm-hmm. in the scene that they're in and I don't have that history. Mm-hmm. And I and that's why a lot of people in Richmond either either they like me or they don't. Mm-hmm. I mean that's the truth. Like they'll take that's that's the cut and dry of it. That's everybody. And and it's when you're in music, it's hard to do that. Like when you have to play that that sort of uh, that tension. But I got into things like so backwards. Like I got into Frank Black before I got into Pixies Mm -hmm. because I watched John Stewart and he played Headache, and I was like, I love this song. I was 14 at the time, and I. It was just right after I had ran away from home and I came back here. I came back to my mom's house. Like, I ran away. I lived in Charles City. I ran away to VCU for two weeks. I just was like, screw mm-hmm. it. I'm not coming back. And <laughs> that was a lot of t- when I got more musical things dumped onto me. Because, again, I was 14, but I looked like I was 18 because I was tall and mm-hmm. I was big. So I, I eventually went back home. But, like, I heard these new things and I saw Frank Black, who was in the Pixies. I had never heard the right. Pixies. On John Stewart, telling me they were in the Pixies, man. Like I don't know that. <laughs> so like I, I found out other things backwards. Like, all right. Uh, so I like Danzig mm-hmm. moderately. There, I, I like. I don't want to say I know his First whole album. I would say I know his whole album. collection. But when I heard Mother, I was like, oh, this is awesome. This is this is great. Well, I didn't know. I know hair of the Misfits. I'm in a social setting. And I'm talking to somebody about like punk rock, as you know, like at the time I was into punk rock and all this other different things. And I was like, well, I like this guy Danzig. I heard the song Mother. And he was like, you never heard the Misfits? And they like immediately shunned me. Kung Fu. Because I had never heard the Misfits. But you got to understand what background I came from. You know? Same way, man. Like, I, you know, I didn't, there were people around me that liked shit like that, you know, like the Misfits, but I was, I was into hair metal then I'm, I'm sorry to say i wasn't listening to the early punk at that point um i mean i, I had a good friend that was really into the ramones we listened to that, but I, yeah you need to listen to molly crew you know and uh and then you know and then public enemy and shit like that came along and to me that was a lot more hardcore than punk was like that seemed a lot that i had more of the energy you know that i was looking for it was like you know i live in the city so whatever but at some point you know you keep thinking you know Right, you, you you got the rock and roll landscape figured out or whatever, and then you go meet somebody and they have more kung fu than you. And they, but so the thing I learned at some point is just try to keep my mouth shut, you know, because I was up at uh, and you know spouting my mouth off at this record label I worked at, and, and for Christmas the guy gave me a book and it was just like pre-punk history for the post-punk world. Like understand it, okay? Get get where all of this stuff goes together, you know. But it's, I mean, what are you going to do? You're born when you're born. You know what you know. You get into it. You can't. There's no way everybody can get in a time machine and go back and be into the right band at the right time. You know, that's what fashion does to you. It fucks you up. It's just the same thing about, like, 
The same way I feel about rock and roll and metal is the same way I feel about R&B. Uh, when I grew up, like, you know, it's Michael Jackson, New Edition. New Edition was so bubblegum. They would make, well, NSYNC look like look like porn that stars. Like Mr. Telephone Man. Mr. Man. Telephone Man. Yeah. There's something wrong with my line. Right. Don't, don't. You got to cut. You got to edit. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> but I grew up with those things, like, and I understood them, like, because I understood music as a whole. Like, I love those things. But I kept gravitating toward more rock and roll. And, like, as, like, I'm 35 now and, like, I uh, just recently made, like, a a big decision in, like, what I wanted to do musically. I, like, I, I quit my band because. Mm-hmm. And that was Strike the Cord and Burn. And Burn, right? yeah. Um, everybody in Richmond knows I've just been doing metal. Like, you know, I've, it's either been some Everybody of, meaning people from about Boulevard, yeah, about, to, about to like anybody <laughs> that uh, that generally will tolerate me for more than it five shows minutes. Up strange matter, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Which was Twisters before. Right. This is get it right. Nancy Reagan, Twisters, nine two nine. But uh, any of the immediate people that I've dealt with, or anybody that's in Richmond, knows that I've usually been into some form of alternative metal, like. Mm-hmm. I've never been into anything that's like I guess uh I don't say mainstream or or scene related like I think I've been playing things that some people can't get into and then the finally I was just like I just want to play I want to get back to basics and I just want to play rock and roll cuz it's what I grew up liking yeah and I want to write songs for songs and I want to try to do something different which is is exciting, but it's also terrifying yeah. at the same time because I quit something that I had built with other people, and I'm going to go try to do something completely that I've never done before. Mm-hmm. Like I look at bands like RPG, um, I mean even Gritter, they're they're newer. Um, I'm trying to just go back in my mind, like, of all these Richmond rock and roll bands that yeah. were just, like, really awesome. And I'm going to go try to do that after trying to basically for, that. like, 10 years emulate the Deftones or some, like, other crazy shit. Well, you know, I mean, I can totally relate to that kind of thinking. The thing I would say is, that, you know, it comes up in my head all the time. It even comes up in my head about doing this, right? And then I go, you know what? If I just think about this as something I'm giving away, you know, it's just like my little thing that I'm bringing. It's like my gift that nobody can fucking judge it. I don't need to worry about anybody judging it. I'm just doing it for the right reasons. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And like, I think it, I think that kind of trajectory with music is awesome. Like, you know, the, the, um, those Tibetan monks that make those little sand mandalas. You ever heard this before? You know, they sit there and they tap this fucking colored sand like for a week or I don't know how long it takes them a month to do that and then when they're finished with it they fucking smear it apart you know they just destroy it you know and the whole point of that is like you should constantly be doing that you should constantly be getting something you know and then not not necessarily like fucking blowing your life up and fucking everything up <laughs> but you know don't get set in your ways you know be willing to change be willing to let go of shit be willing to do something different that's really that's the artist's you know and I, I think that's well. Like it, it took me like forever to figure it out. 
Like, I've been around, like, really great musicians in Richmond. Like, I'm probably annoyed the shit out of them, <laughs> but I've gleaned things from them. Like, you know, Eric Larson, he's a, he's amazing. He's a, so chill and just... Now, I'm pretty sure everybody has stories about everyone, but every time I've met him and he's had to deal with me when I've been drunk and out of control or just me, he's always given me some some sort of, like, food for thought, like, yeah. with anything musical I've done. Um, uh, I'm trying to... Again, like, I've met so many people and I've threw myself out there to just try to make a name for myself and... and and I think that's what the most part about, like, why I'm trying to do something different. Because mm-hmm. I'm not trying to make a name for myself. I'm trying to make a name for what I want to do musically. You want to do what you want to do. I don't right? want. I don't want it to be like, oh, like it's me doing this. Because when you're in a brand, I don't think people understand that it's it's more than just like one person. It's like you can't have a band. And there's no camaraderie, mm-hmm. like. The, it, it inevitably it's going to become personal. Yeah, it's going to be like when you dump that much of yourself into something, mm-hmm. and you expect everybody else to meet you in that ground. It becomes personal because you're creating something. You're actually, the closest thing that men will ever have to giving birth to a, a child, right. human being is yeah. making music. Yeah, because you are actually putting things together that mm-hmm. don't ever exist right. Right. outside of thought. You're putting them together, and you make something. That's a child. Yeah. Granted, it's not biological. It's the like, child of the mind. It's still, it's a, it, you made it. Yeah. And and it's hard to do that. It's hard well, to you keep know what, it. Man, with the bands, like, you can... I mean, I've, I haven't been in a shitload of bands. I've been in, like, three or four. The first one I was in was, like, my first girlfriend. Like, we just fell in love, and everything was perfect, and, like... We never fought about anything, and we, like, you know, lost our virginity together, and it was all this storybook thing, you know? And me and, me and those three guys played together, and I totally took for granted, like, that I could get, have that with anybody, you know? Just like I did with her. Like, she and I broke up, and I went out and tried to hook up with a bunch of other girls, and it wasn't happening, you know? <laughs> and, like, and the same thing happened with my first band. I was like, I was a good drummer for that band, but then I went came to Richmond and tried to play with all these people, nothing happened, you know? And I was all cocky. But... The relationship is important, you know, a lot of times in, like, who you're playing with, not how good they are, like, not that they're technically, it's just that you get along and you guys got shared vision and your personalities complement each other and all that shit, just like a romantic relationship. But some, you know, for instance, when I was in the Devil Tones, me and Randy liked a lot of the same shit. I wanted to play with him. But I ended up in a fucking dysfunctional relationship with a bunch, a whole bunch of other people that I had no like, <laughs> desire. To be. It was like, we're gonna throw a grenade yeah, here in the like, nursery. I found this guy Todd. <laughs> I found this, like, <laughs> Todd is a great, awesome guitar player. He but is. He and I do not belong in the same band together. I mean, we not only did we not get along as guitar players, but we didn't get along as roommates. We got in fist fights. We injured each other. Like, I have permanent injuries from fighting with Ted, Todd, so does he. Uh, you know? I, look, I love Todd. <laughs> Todd, if you hear any portion of this conversation, I love you, man. Me and Todd got he, – he had just, I think, a couple months pre, prior to this altercation, he had just finished recording some Chalkline Beauty stuff. Mm-hmm. And me and him got into a – you do it at his house? Yeah, we did it at his house. house. He's a, he's a yeah. great – I don't care what anybody – 
he is great at capturing you live. He's a good engineer, and he's and he's good. And uh, I think there's plenty of times, but he's a really talented guy. But like, you know, he's Todd. He's Todd. You either like I love him. he's I love him. like I, the reason why I like Todd because he's like me. Either you like him and you stick by him, or you, or you won't. And, and that's the truth. Like that's why I still hang out with me. I'm gotten into arguments. We got we got kind of physical, but I appreciate him. Like he might be just over there but when I think about how he's over there I'm like you know what Rashad you're kind of over there too with everyone else that's that's good insight and the thing I wanted because I want to get back to I'm going to take you back to 1208 really quick but first I wanted to say that so the thing I figured out is like being you can settle in a relationship I mean you can settle in a band just like you're settling in a relationship you know you're with the wrong person but they're around there you got company. There's somebody to sleep with. What, the comfort you know? zone. Yeah, and it's comfort but it might not be zone. the right band for you. You know, and that might not be the right relationship for you. And at some point, like you're doing right now, you gotta say like right or wrong, good or bad. I gotta figure out what's right for me. You know, I just gotta do the thing that fits me, Rashad. You know, and and step out and do that. You know. Well, I want to. I want to step out more with. I want to step out with more, more than just just me because I'm more. I wanted to be a team thing, mm-hmm. and that's what I'm doing now. Like I quit strike the chord and burn. I got this idea that's called X knives, and I want to do it right. It's like I feel like all of the things. I don't look at things like as failure. I think that I look at them as like, okay, well that didn't do right that time. Let me try something new. And let me try to take all the things that didn't work here and subtract those things and implement the things that I should have done there here. And that's what I'm what I'm going to do. I've got I I think this is probably one of I'm not famous, but I think I'm entering that period of where I'm going to be working with a couple different people to I find a solid lineup because. Like, again, I go back. I've been in doing metal, all this metal, 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 metal. I'm doing breakdowns. I'm, like, doing, trying to, like, choreograph moves. I'm worrying about all the wrong fucking things. Like, I, in my head, like, I got worried about the things that made music not cool for me. Like, I was worried about those things. And then mm-hmm. I just randomly, like, I'd say maybe three or four months ago, I threw in... Uh, lullabies for the death. Which songs for the death? Songs for the song, songs for the death. Yeah. Excuse me, songs for That's the death. Two different records, but yes. But like I, I, because I didn't have them, I but I had uh, I was listening to them on my phone, so all of them were intertwined. Together. I was yeah, listening yeah. to Spotify, so I was mixing both of those together, and I was just like, you know what? This is you know Queens of the Stone Age, Caius, Orange Goblin, uh, all these other stone rock bands like. We're hitting this, and I hate giving things labels. Like, I'll just say rock. Let's mm-hmm. just take out the stone rock player. They had the spirit, and I was like, that's what, when I was a kid, that's what I liked. Yeah. Like, I went I went from this path where, like, I like this rock. I heard the Deftones for the first time. I was angry, and I was, I was in a group home at the time. So, like, I heard I was angry. I was an angry person. Started just listening to all this angry stuff. I, I wonder about the group home. I was Is this, like, 15. halfway out of coming out of uh, I was 15. Kind of uh-huh. 
I was 15. I was in this group home called the Wilderness Leadership Academy. I uh, had f- screwed up so much. Like I was just vi- I was just violent mm-hmm. as a kid. Like you know, I grew up with you know my stepdad beating the shit out of me and my mom, and I was f- I had nowhere to put any of that. So like you know the alt- the culmination of that was me getting kicked out of several schools, and I was already in a uh, at risk youth school called ADC, which is only maybe a couple blocks from where we are right now. Mm-hmm. And I ran away from school and I fought everybody. I had to call the cops. It was really bad. And they were like, well, you're going to go to juvenile detention. And I wanted to actually make something of my life. <laughs> and I said, hey, uh, I don't want to go to juvenile detention. Can you guys find somewhere to put me? I asked them. Mm-hmm. I was like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to ruin my life. So they put me in WLA, and uh, I was, you know, still mad. And the last thing that happened before I went there was me and my stepdad got into a fight because he threatened my mom. And needless to say, it was like a whole bunch of things, and I fucked his ass up. (laughs) Finally, like, only dude I was ever scared of in my entire life growing up, I beat his ass, but I still had this big, huge castle of anger that I just carried with me so like I heard the death tones I was, I was angry I was violent I was like oh yeah I like this so then I just started listening to all this metal stuff and I got away from the purity of what rock and roll rock and roll made me feel good metal made me feel like I could just jump into a I could just pull some 300 shit and mm-hmm. just dump into a crowd right. and fight everybody, right. which doesn't exist. It's kind of what it's for, I think. It's it's the berserker music, you know, that, you know. I just got away from what made me really love rock and roll. And even metal is still rock and roll. I just, we all listen to all these people that want to slap a label on something. And I forgot that the, at the base end of all of it, metalcore, hardcore, punk rock, Da, 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 da. It all started with cats like the Beach Boys and the Ramones. It started as rock and roll. Mm-hmm. It started before that. Uh, Muddy Waters. All these other cats. It started at this other thing that's not what it is now. And I got away from it. Mm-hmm. And that's. And I realized that this one, this one day when I decided to quit the band I'm in now, it's just like I've been doing all this stuff for years. I'm 35 right now. And I'm music has basically become like me breathing mm-hmm. like i can't if i don't do it i just feel like there's nothing going on. i don't need to be famous but if i'm not doing something musical i just don't feel right yeah and why am i doing that am i doing it for the right reasons am i doing it just to keep up an image am i just mm-hmm. doing it just to because that's what i do and i was like well i need to separate this i need to just i love these guys they're they're cool but I'm not doing it for me anymore. I'm yeah. not doing it. I'm not doing anything to go back to the heart. You know, it's. I was thinking about a bunch of stuff while you're talking, and I. I mean, I've been thinking about rock and roll like this forever. You know, as soon as like, I started to understand that dichotomy. You know, like, like talking about the devil music or whatever, or talking about it being black music or white music or whatever. There's something about it that is to me. It's like a crossing of two streams. You know, it's like. It's this one kind of thing, like fucking animal, like anger, passion, like whether it's sexual energy or violent energy or whatever. It's like that. And then there's this other sublime thing that's running through it that's like beauty, that's like transcending that shit. That's like 
how we as as human animals we don't always we don't have to just go with our like desire to either fuck or fight you know we can like stand back from it you know we can turn it into art we can rechannel it we can you know um we can metamorphosize it we can metamorphosize based on our feelings you know there's all this and, and rock and roll seems to combine those things really well you know it can be the simplest dumbest cock and ball shit and it can be it can be beautiful you know it can really get at something and that's the one thing like that makes me that's what i'm trying to get back to is like I'm a big fan of keep it simple, stupid. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like people in bands we want to try to reinvent the wheel. Like we want to try to do, right, we're going to do this ne- because that's what the corporation mm-hmm. and that's what media tells you. Like you have to invent the new new thing. Well, why can't you just make something that's right? Because Man. and that's uh, you just got to decide what, what your goal is. <laughs> exactly, part and parson of why I, I decided to leave of my non-famous band at probably only forty-five people, or I guess by my Facebook standards, four hundred and some odd people know who we are. Mm-hmm. Another name. <laughs> but like, here's the thing: is like, why do I have to do what these people say? Why can't I just make I could take riff A, riff B, riff C. That's the song. Mm-hmm. I don't need to take riff A and make it a polyrhythmic polyrhythmic bridge between part C. Why can't I just go from part A, part B, part C in the song? You fucking can. And like <laughs> and for some odd reason I got this in my head that I couldn't do this. Yeah. I like I got it, and I think I, 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 we talked about busting out of the thing that a lot, people, some people never bust out of it, but a lot of people, a lot of people do, and they realize, you know, fashion's bullshit, the marketplace is bullshit, all of this stuff. Somebody's trying to sell something, so they're trying to say their genres and they're trying to say their styles and they're all of this kind of stuff. But what there is just a bunch of people trying to, and, 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 and exactly, and that's what I felt guilty about. Like the more I kept thinking about what I was doing, it was like. All right, well, we got these great songs. Well, how can we market ourselves? And people are going to – here's the thing. People going to – I know it's in the black community, real recognize real. Mm-hmm. And that's the truth. Exactly. Real recognizes real. People will see through your bullshit no matter what the fuck you dress it up in. Mm-hmm. And I had to look at myself and be like – Maybe some people think I'm bullshit. Maybe some people think, and this is not to none of the guys that I'm. Think? This is not what's <laughs> on the guys that are that were playing with me right, at the right. time, but this is what I'm looking at our music in total, like in everything that we do. Maybe they're not seeing, they're not feeling it. Maybe there's, maybe I'm not performing. Maybe someone else in the group is not really feeling it. Maybe we're just making music just because that's. It's we've created it into right. it would be a it job. It sounds like a job, yeah. I fuck, I can relate to that, man. I mean, like as much as I like playing music with some of the guys in the Devil Tones, especially Randy, um, Rick really wanted it to be a job. Randy's he was always awesome, trying to man. fool people into sp- paying us to do this shit. <laughs> like, and we didn't have any business getting paid when we started out. Like, you know, but he that was his mission, and it was constantly a job. It was like you guys all got to chip in this much money because we're gonna go do this, and then we're gonna do that. 
And like, you know, I, that band cost me a shitload of money because it was just a constantly a job. And cool thing, though, is that Rick and Randy made me rehearse all the time. It was like being in the army. Like you had to fucking show up to band oh, practice. Yeah. And you had to uh, I mean, I know I know Mr. <laughs> Randall Robinson. I, 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 like he's actually been teaching me how to do the job that I'm doing now. So I definitely know. I, I, I know. I know. Yeah. He you know he transfers that crew boss <laughs> shit from the construction world to the band. He should have been a pirate or a drill instructor in the army. That's he's what I exactly think. Exactly what man, he's exactly what he's supposed to be. He's like the true, <laughs> truly real recognizes real. There's lots of guys that act tough in bands, but you know, Randy exactly. is actually the one that will put your face in the concrete, and not because he's randomly getting violent with people, but because no. you you messed with the bear, you know. You, <laughs> but see, like, oh, it's, it's, it's those standpoints of, like, I've gotten here, I'm 35, and I'm starting to realize, I'm like, well, how do you, if you want to do, if I want to do music for the rest of my life, I'm 35, I, I figure, like, I'm going to play music until they lower me in the casket. Mm-hmm. What do I want people to really understand me to be? Do they want to understand, or do I want them to understand me to that guy they saw in Wonderland that just gets drunk and stands in the bar and tells everybody I'll be their daddy? Mm-hmm. Or do I want to be the guy that might did that, but actually wrote some really cool songs and really loved music and tried to do something, tried to break out of a shell? Like I said, it's so effing terrifying for me right now because I'm about to try to do something that I've never done. There's not a lot of people that know I play guitar. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't even that great of a singer. And I'll, <laughs> I'll be the first to admit it. Like, I, 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 the first band I was ever in, Stepchild, I was horrible. What was it called? Stepchild. Stepchild. It was horrible. It's completely horrible. I didn't even know like why people would ask us to play because they were good. The musicians were good. I was horrible. So then I was in this other band called it wound up becoming this band called Pine. Still sucked. But I, through all of this whole thing, I looked through my musical career. The only thing that I can honestly say that I, if I lacked on talent, I made it with sheer will. Mm-hmm. And that's what I think it takes just to play music. Like when those desperate, it, it just takes will. Like I'm not that great of a vocalist. I would love to eventually become really good. I would love to be a vocalist that people are like, oh yeah, you know, he used to suck, but he worked his ass off and he got better. You know, you should, I don't know if you checked this out, but like in 2004, like I did a, a telephone interview with Josh Homme. I was you know? listening to that yeah. before I came here. <laughs> and, and like, you know, I was at the point at that point that I'd left Richmond. It was 2004. I ran away with this record label I was working for and went to California. And I had a lot of shit in my head about, you know, these people over here are not my friends because they don't like what I like. And, we, and they hate my band and I hate their band. They think they're bad. You know, and all of this like kind of negative competitive shit and, and I'm constantly like thinking about what I was doing based on what everybody else was doing in that context. And he was, you know, he said, and I asked him a question about this thing I'd read where he said he, you know, he went, went to Seattle because he was so over music and he just kind of thought it was like it was just played out. And he heard Iggy Pop's record, The Idiot, and he's like, that's all, that's it, you know? Like, I can't do any better than that, <laughs> you know? And, uh, and then he had he was up there playing with the screaming trees, you know, and just sort of like in self-imposed exile. And all of this shit is self-imposed, I think is the point I'm trying to get. It's got to do with patterns of thought. It's not reality. And he and he had a revelation while he was up there. He's like, well, it's not been done by me, you know? And I'm just going to put my own twist on it. And he started doing that first Queens of Stone Age record. And he's like, 
you know, like the Kaya stuff, but I want to do something a little different. I want to bring along some of those people that liked that. And, you know, you just, and just stop worrying about punk rock guilt, you know, stop worrying about like metal guilt or any of these other labels and all this kind of thing and just do your thing. And like, you can't, you, you may never make a dollar at it, but you're going to feel fucking awesome for having done it. And you're going to attract some real people, like you said, to liking it. You and know, that's like I was actually listening to that before I came here to talk to you and it was like a breath of fresh air to me because I've you know through uh, through all of like my musical career I've been insecure and I think like a lot of musicians we're all insecure funny, I was your age when I was doing that we, we were we're I was 30 <laughs> I was 34 35 when I did that we Go were ahead. we were we were all insecure at some point like even the most the guys is like oh, I'm yeah. like I'm like the baddest ass dude Everybody. at playing this riff like he's still insecure I don't give a fuck what anyone what's says insecurity it's fear yeah. everybody's afraid of something exactly you know? so like I I listening to that I was just like you know what you, none of us will. Any of us that play music have to understand is it's the mousetrap. You could build the greatest one in the fucking world. There will be someone that will hate that motherfucker. And like I used, and a to, lot of times it's because of their insecurity. Exactly. And like I had to figure it out. Like, and it, it doesn't piss me off that it took me such a long time. I think I just was focused on the wrong things. And I think I, I think everyone. No matter whether no matter whether they're in music or not, they eventually start streamlining things. It's not necessarily because you get older. It's just like you start dropping certain things right. away. And I started thinking, I was like, well, I keep doing this one thing that doesn't work because I feel like I have to do this. Mm-hmm. What if I take myself out of this comfort zone of that I think I need to do this and just work on why I need to do it internally and understand that like when I do this I'm not going to make everybody happy mm-hmm. and I'm okay with that like I had to finally become okay with the fact that not everybody is going to like yeah. whatever I fucking do yeah. because if I can wrap it in my head that not every dude in this town thinks I'm awesome then why can't I do that musically and I I could never make that dis- distinction I, I had this like I don't know there was like this weird ass veil that I wasn't paying attention to that like I could walk around in the street and do all this crazy shit and not give a fuck but then I could go on sh- stage and like perform my ass off and get dick hurt because some asshole didn't like I didn't hit this note right mm-hmm. when I know myself that I'm not that great of a singer I'm more of a front man but I'm working to be that great of a singer I could never ever took the time to differentiate that mm-hmm. and now I am because I'm trying to do this other thing that is extremely terrifying but exciting at the mm-hmm. same time and it's exciting for the right reasons and it's terrifying for the right reasons because I feel like I'm going to try to do something that's pure like yeah. not me just going through the motions me like you know my constant thing like my I, my catchphrase in any band that I've ever been in is like oh I always got a plan B so if this person quits I already got this somebody to replace him I want to get to the point where like these people are not interchangeable you're committed to them yeah. that they are committed to me be, yeah. like I don't I don't have a plan to replace this person I mean I can it won't be the same 
if need be, I needed to get it back to that that the, I needed to get it. I needed to get it back to that first time I was ever in a band that I never had it. at thirty five. I need to go back to when I was eighteen and make it that same feeling. Like these people are, I cannot, I can't do this without them. And if I do do it without them, then I have to be Trent Reznor or Josh Omi or somebody like that. I have to get my chops up to be that. I had to get it back to that. And I think that's like a lot of when we play music for, unless you're established, I mean, even established people do it. Like you get to the certain point where you're like, okay, I got to do something else, but I can't do it without these certain people. Mm -hmm. You screw around with a whole bunch of people, then you, but you go back. And, I, and I've gotten to that point. I'm 35. I'm trying. I'm gonna. I'm gonna keep playing music. Yeah, and you know it's interesting, man, because like, like to me, that's that's the thing that I started to realize at 35. Not to be like, hey, you young whippersnapper, you know, whatever. But Shit, you can call me young all you want to. But ten, you know, that it seems to be for, and not everybody's guaranteed or or, or gets uh, any kind of moments of clarity like that, or and, and starts to see that veil you're talking about and. Because all all this shit, I, I know all the shit that, that holds me back is in my head. There's nobody stopping me from doing what I want to do. All there is is my own insecurities, my own doubts, you know, and my own set ways of thinking. Fear. Yeah. It's like it's the same like when I would inadvertently like – and like everybody's done it. I don't care like who hears it. I've talked shit about like so many fucking people like in my, in my, my confines and my friends. It's only because – of the fear that you won't step out and do something like that. Like, I'm like the guy, like, I'll work a nine-to-five job like everybody, but I have a billion great ideas. How do I implement them? Oh, I don't implement them. Instead, I internalize them, and then I talk shit about you everything. You sit at a bar, and you talk about it, and you talk about what is Exactly. Like, I could yeah. sit around That's and be like... classic Richmond trap. <laughs> I'm like, fuck this scene. It's yeah. not like it was when I saw 400 years at this coffee house that doesn't exist. Right, because and everybody's it doesn't got, exist. like, that thing. You know? We are, Like, I had it. I've had it. Like, I haven't... You could go back another 10 years, and there's always somebody saying it's, it hasn't been cool since it was but the hard thing times, is, you know, or whatever. It's what you make it. And I had to start really analyzing myself before I started putting that shit out so vocally that I would just shut doors. Like, there, it's not the scene that I grew up in. It's never going to be the scene that I grew up in. It's always going to be constantly Well, it might evolving. be for some other kid that just came from it, Exactly. County. But for you, it's different. You, you can't unknow what you know now. You got experiences behind you, so it's a different context. Now you're looking for that next thing that's like leaving Charles City to come to Richmond. You know, Even as fucked up as it sounds to say this, the same, like, say I am my age now, and say corn came out. And, like, I, this is all going to be on record. I was 14, I liked corn. The first album, I was like, oh, this is awesome. Say, like, I, I know what corn is now, and I don't like it. I, like, I grew out of it. You were but, young enough to be forgiven but, for liking them. But there is, like, you can be young and you can hear something that is, rocks your world, but you meet somebody like me. And I just totally trash it. What I do to that next musician that comes along? And I started... Re- well, that's part, I, you know, man, it, that's part of... Everybody's got to figure out their, like, for lack of a better word, their boundaries with that shit. You know, like, I like what I like. You know, as, as the man says, there are no guilty pleasures. There's just pleasures. If I mean, you like, fucking, I like the strokes. I love that Gwen Stefani <laughs> song, Hollaback Girl. I love watching that video, you know. There's lots of bullshit. I mean... Stuff that I understand why it doesn't fit the pedigree of the other stuff I like, but I still like it. 
And life is just better when you like more shit. You know, it's more comfortable. It feels better. It's, you know, being discerning is great and having good taste is great. And like, it's cool to hang out with people who share that. But it's also cool to hang out with people that are having a good time and liking what they're liking and you're liking it with them. You know, like to go into fun. You know, when I worked at Cary Street Cafe, that was the furthest thing from like what I was into at that time. But there were many nights where I'm in there slinging drinks and there's some jam band up there. And they and they strike a chord with you. Yeah, and they're playing. I don't know. They they decide to play a cover of some Stone song or, or an Almond Brothers song or whatever. And I'm everybody's in there is having a good time and everybody's happy. And I'm like, why am I going to hate on that? And why am I too cool for that? You know, the so, biggest thing that I think with any scene is when did music become f- fucking a competitive sport? Well, it's all probably always. I mean, like you, know, you d- watch that Mozart movie with the, the dudes hating on Mozart because he's just so much more brilliant. I mean, than, like you, know, you, you, Amadeus. You can you can take whatever. Back then, well, this is the this is different. Back then, they were actually recreating. They were making new sounds. They were they were doing new things. We're at a different we're at a different echelon. I think you know what I'll tell you what. If you're really asking this question, here's this is what I think. And I had this is. A, major revelation for me all right and it wasn't even about music it was about like success of any kind of like jobs or whatever like i went and did my own group home thing a few years ago it wasn't legal issues it was like because i was a fuck like got all fucked up on drugs and alcohol and i went and lived in a, a house with fucking 14 other guys right and i was part of a whole community of a whole bunch of other fucking fucked up guys at various levels of fucked up. You know, there were some dudes that had just been wheeled in there from the fucking gutter, and then there were these high-bottom dudes that rolled right out of rehab in a BMW, you know? And you're all, everybody's comparing their level of, like, whatever (laughs) with each other, right? I am anyway. I'm like, what the fuck? I got out of rehab six months ago, and I'm still working as a cashier. This motherfucker's working in an advertising agency. It's not fair. Anyway, but somebody said to me, at that time, it's like just his success is not taking from your success. There's plenty for everybody. Him making money is not taking your money. He's not making your money. He's not making your success. It's you. There's plenty for you to go after, but you're not going to get it if you're spending all your time resenting the fucking dude that's whatever path he's on, doing well, whether he deserves it or not. So it's just easier to do your own thing if you like go. All right, a lot more people like RPG than like my band, for instance. Great, I love them too, and it doesn't matter. All right, if that, they're not going to see them and not, you know, because, you know, they're sucking all of the rock and roll fans over there. I think everybody. I think when in the scene, nice rant there. You're like, no, I, I got exactly what you're saying. Like, I, I think people try to marginalize other people's success but when someone else is successful here what we need to understand is that makes everyone else that's trying to do that successful yeah it's and i said this at the beginning of my last podcast we're all one motherfucking thing you gotta pee yeah i gotta pee so bad (laughs) let me pause all right pause and go for it arson like are you back from peeing okay yeah i'm back from peeing and uh we were talking about like conversation i was listening to what you were talking with eric larson about about how people interview people and they try like some people might try to color it to see them that they're badass or whatever but i only wanted to be known that i have no fucking idea what i'm doing and all of this is just i work off gut feeling and 
I'm not listening to others. You know, this whole thing where I'm trying to do this new thing, I had a good friend of mine, Brian Connor, who is in Cut the Arctic's Hand. Oh, yeah. Um, also, uh, like I said, Chris Whitehurst is another one. And Joe Moore, who used to be in the second floor. And I'm sorry, Joe, I can't remember all the other bands you were in. I think he was in a band with Tab. Mm-hmm. Um, all these people, like, not all these people, these few, couple people were like, hey, Rashad, why don't you... You are a good guitar player. Why don't you play guitar and sing at the same time? And, like, they've been saying this shit for me for years. And I was just like, uh, you guys are crazy. I can't do that. I can only do one or the other. I have to either be this thing that's on stage that's crazy. And I, I can't do that other thing. And just, you know, personal things happen in life. And I end up uh, living with... Uh, Brian Connor for, uh, from Cut the Texan, he put me up. I had ran into a bad spot, and we were just hanging out, and I jammed with him, like, you know, had a little side spot in his house, and he was just like, really, dude, you really should just, you know, play guitar and, and sing at the same time and try it. And I was like, I don't think I can. And he was like, what limits are you putting in yourself while you can't? So yeah. that kept bouncing around in my head and you know like i'd run into chris whitehurst and he basically saying the same all these people are saying these same things that i'm putting limits on myself because one of the most biggest head fucks that people do to themselves is to develop the idea and it's a real alcoholic thing i mean you always hear that guy sitting at the bar going you think you're better than me you know (laughs) But that, that was there before he ever got drunk, right? Is this idea that people are better than me or worse than me or I don't fit in. It's not, it's not like I'm just a fucking dude. I'm just a human on this earth trying to do my shit, you know? And that's what I was going to get into right before you went to piss is that the more that, like, you can see that, like, we're not, like, all a bunch of fucking individuals at war with each other. And that's where this thing comes from that you're talking about, like, you know the one-upmanship and the competition and the battling that's that's what we had to be when we were straight up animals right it's you or me you know there's unless you so had much... cardboard and adidas and you were battling dancing on the block that's different that, well <laughs> but that's a, i mean that's i mean i have to be too serious about that but that is a that's a uh like that's a version of the same thing that exactly. doesn't hurt anybody but we are born to compete you know in order to survive and live we are meant to do that so we've come up with fake ways to do it like playing football or whatever where nobody really gets killed or anything you know but we you know the the thing is in us that that's if there's not enough water in that fucking water hole for all the fucking apes around here so some of these apes have got to go so we're competing for that resource and we're competing for the pussy we're competing for the food we're competing for the water and and that and that colors everything we do but at some point you get to trans you could transcend that shit and say there's plenty of that shit for everybody and it's not about that and actually if this guy is good at this thing that's kind of like me being good at it because way 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 back we were the same we were brothers you know or sisters or whatever we were two cells that split at one point involved into a fish and a and a fucking shrew and then a monkey and then an ape so instead of going man it's not fair that that guy does that and i do this you go man it's really cool that this that i'm doing that through him you know, I, and he's doing that through me. You know what I'm saying? I think so that's the, more the reason you identify why, with other people instead of like seeing them as competition or your foes. I think that's <laughs> why I got out of. I started getting disenfranchised with 
with like metal metal it's like i would just see all these bands like and i don't give a shit They're if like brutal than you are. The, they did i i don't care who hears this and thinks i'm a dick for saying it but like all right so like i'm in this band i'm playing all this metal and you know like i get introduced to the human abstract i think they're great they're good i i i I'm gleaming things from them. Then somebody's like, hey, you should check out this band, Veil of Maya. There, It's just like everybody's just trying to just oversweep each other. Like, if you go on Craigslist right now, I've seen this in ads. Like, metal guitar. I can do arpeggiated sweeps at da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Like, you haven't even audition, auditioned for the band, and you're talking about how many sweeps you can do. It's like, what happened to be like, yo, I, can, I got a guitar, I got a rig, I can fucking rock. Like, just let me come out and try. Mm -hmm. Like, why do you have to tell everybody, like, how many, what your skill set is? Just show up. Yeah, like, I, I always feel like that shit is, I mean, we got a lot of that in, in, in this town. We got a lot of it in music in general is that people just sit in their basement masturbating forever. That never prepares I'm just going to say eight-string guitars. <laughs> I'm just going to say fucking eight-string guitars. Well, and or we can just stop talking. Look, I, I appreciate that level of expertise, you know. I, it's cool. But it isn't what I'm after, and it's not, you know, I, I'm so much more interested in what happens when you get some people in a room and they have no, they're not practiced and skilled like that, but they know the basics. They know the vocabulary. They're like, they know what a rock song's kind of supposed to sound like, you know, whatever. And they start playing, and suddenly you got something. That is just so much more interesting to me, it's, you know. I, 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 here's a story. Here's a, here's a funny story. So, you know, I'm in Strike the Court and Burn, and I'm uh, kind of like trying to feel, I was like, I need to do something else musically. Um, so I've, I've run into this one guy. I can't even really remember how I met him. I think I, it may have been uh, out of Craigslist. And I met him, and, like, he, he's an amazing, he's an amazing guitar player, amazing musician, amazing, like, if once he comes into his own and realizes like what he really can do, he's going to be really awesome mm -hmm. and scales this stuff down. So he had this idea for this band and I met this other gentleman that's, um, hopefully actually going to be playing with me in this new thing. Um, so we're getting together and he's got these songs and they're very, they're like very new. Not, when I say new metal, I'm not saying like corn. I'm, they're the new progressive metal, like bands like Periphery, Attila, and all that kind of mm -hmm. stuff. It's in that vein. So we're getting together. We're uh, most of the couple times that we're getting together is him playing a song for me, and I'm writing lyrics and I'm recording the lyrics to it. And I write some pretty decent lyrics for me. Like it's up my alley. I, I'm cool with it. But when we actually finally get a drummer and like there's other things that come into play with it, it starts becoming really weird. Because he's talking about like, all right, well, when we play a show, we're going to have these backing tracks. I'm like, yo, son, what backing tracks? I'm like, nigga, what are you talking about? I don't even know what the f backing tracks. Like, can we jam the fucking song first before you talk about adding backing tracks? This is Immediately at that point in time when you're talking about adding something synthetic to a – unless like you're a band that is a organic entity like – let's say – Take Fanagram. Mm -hmm. They're a band that's two people, but they have like that's that's electronica. Going and yeah. Shit like that. yeah. Now I I can understand if I was going in a band like that, I would understand that's gonna be I'm going right. in this band like heads like, oh, this is gonna be a fucking metal, like, you know I I 
I'm not even going to say the word, but people know it begins with a J or it begins with a D. It has a J in it, but the J is silent and it ends with a T music. They call it gent. It's stupid. It's so retarded. It's like the sound of a. Anyway, <laughs> so we're going to do this jit type music, and he's going to talk about doing this backing tracks and all this other kind of crazy stuff. And I'm like, what? That's not a fucking band to me. That's like, we might as well be Millie Vanilli. Like he started sleeping with somebody and then found out that they were a man. They actually have a penis. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> I used to have a dick. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so like, I, I had to bail on that, like, cause it just wasn't, it, it wasn't, I don't, I don't agree with those things. Like everything should be what it is for what it needs to be. I agree with you, man. I mean, that's, and, and so we're like-minded about that. I liked what, how much, what can you do with one bass, couple guitars, drums, and some vocals? That's what I, I want to see what happens with those ingredients. You know, there's nothing wrong with being somebody like Trent Reznor or some, Maestro, it's got to mix all this shit together, but I don't want to do that. I don't want to be part like of that. I've. Like, I've actually like I. I mean, little known fact, I am actually a student of Full Sail. What's that? Uh, the music and uh, arts college out of uh, Florida. I oh, really? take online classes. Oh yeah. Um, because I wanted to learn more about producing music. Not because I wanted to be some, I just wanted to learn more about my mm-hmm. craft and what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. So I just said, screw it. I'm going to spend a shit ton of money that I'm never going to get back and learn. And I've learned, I've learned a lot of stuff from it, but like it, it all boils down to that simple, basic recipe. Like what's that story, that old uh, story, the, um, the guys, they roll into town, they're hungry Stone soup. The stone soup. Yeah. That's what that's what music Let me show you is. You how to make some stone soup. Please. Right. I agree a hundred percent, you know. And and again, if we're really gonna be making stone soup, you gotta recognize the fact that not everybody likes stone soup. <laughs> exactly. You know, but you and I have figured out that that's the best. They're not. They're not. Like like <laughs> you know, you got people that are hardcore Batman fans, you got people that are hardcore Superman fans, you got people that love fucking Spider-Man and hate Wolverine. I don't even understand that. It doesn't make any sense to me. Well, it's just a matter of taste. And and that's the thing. Critics get together and they make it act like there's some quintessential thing that is taste. No, it's chocolate ice cream or strawberry ice cream. It's vanilla ice cream. Some people's taste buds like one thing more than the other. It doesn't mean that strawberry ice cream is better than chocolate ice cream. Just like when you were listening to your indie albums and, and they were walking and talk shit to you about it. I listen to that. Yeah, exactly. And that's that happened to me a lot. And part of that is I needed that to happen because I was up there thinking I already knew a whole bunch of shit. And that created a portal for me to learn some more shit. Because first I had to get embarrassed or whatever and be humbled. And that, had, that for me is the repeating cycle is that something comes along to bitch slap me and teach me what I don't know. And then I go, oh, please teach me some more. And the, and the more that happens, the more I'm like, I'm just going to stay open. <laughs> like, just I want to keep learning. You, you have know? to be open to information, receive it. Mm-hmm. Like I think people that say that they know everything and they have had they have the recipe. They just don't receive any of that input. And like I. And there have been times I've been like that, and then when I take that veil away, like I receive so many, so much information, and like I'm open to so many new ideas. I'm like, holy shit, how do I get here? Because let me tell you the first, 
the first time I saw Mastodon, the first time I saw Mastodon was at fucking Swingers. Yeah, I was there. And I fucking hated him. Me too. Like, I was like, fuck <laughs> this shit. Like, cool, my, 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 my friend, my, fr- my, my best friend, my brother, Brian, was like, you gotta check this. Before, before we went to the show, he had got a CD from them somehow. I think he went to another show that shut up. And I was like, he played it for him. I was like, what the fuck is this? I went and saw them play. Completely changed my mind about what I thought was More music. Recently. No, okay. this was this was like all right. This is before remission. Mm-hmm. Well, they had shadows that move. EP. I guess it was like yeah. the five song. He played me the five song thing, and I didn't get it at all. I completely. And I'll say this, and people know that I love Mastodon. The first time I heard it, I was like, I don't get this. I didn't like it. He found out they were playing at Swingers. He was like, you have to come with me. I was like, man, I really don't fucking want to listen to this shit. I don't fucking get it. But he bought me to that show. And that's when they played upstairs. This is when they played upstairs. This was like the first time they'd ever been. This was like 10 years ago or something? Yes, it was the first time they ever were in Richmond. And they played. And because I visually saw it, and I saw what they were doing, and I heard it. It completely changed my opinion about it. took me that. a lot longer. I was at that show, and funny, you mentioned it. I remember them standing on the stage. I don't remember any of the sounds they were making. It just didn't get into my head. And, and all these people I respect were saying how great they were. And a really ironic thing is that I spent the rest of the night at the bar talking to the bass player and didn't know he was the bass Troy. player. Troy. <laughs> yeah, until... Just two years ago, I saw him play at, um, and I, you know, I started listening to him, got really into him. I really liked the shit, like, um, uh, what's the record that's got Oblivion and and variations and all of that? Uh, Crack the sky. That's Crack the sky. That really, like, I started liking him with shit like Trampled Under Hoof and all of that. But when they got melodic, that definitely broke him for me. Now I can go back and listen to the other shit and like it better. But. Friend, a friend of mine hooked me up with guest list for that show in Minneapolis, and I'm and I they got up on stage and went, oh fuck, that's that dude. Like I thought he was just some Richmond guy that I was talking to for the whole night, and we're talking about all kinds of music and shit. And I probably even just finished saying, yeah, I didn't really like that Mastodon band. <laughs> like the the first, like again, like I, I couldn't. I was like, man, I don't even. You got you got to understand, like at the time when. I was throwing in, I'm like listening to stuff like, I don't know, Will Haven and like Deftones, uh, who else was I listening to at the time when I was, that was like thrown into, I was like listening to really weird, like borderline new metal bands. I mean, I was still listening to my old stuff, but like that was thrown on me and I went to the show and it would just completely like from that point I saw them, then I started finally like going to see other bands like. Of course, I saw Alabama Thunderpussy and all these other, like Ars Morandi, mm-hmm. which is a subshoot of that. that. Mm-hmm. Um, you had the art of death. <laughs> yes, that was the the art of death. Um, I'm just trying to think of like so. There were so many other great bands, and just because I'm old and this escapes me, but like I've seen all this stuff, and like they're great, and I see Mass, and I'm like wow this is completely amazing so then i go even further like orange goblin comes to town um you know like i that i had always known like eric larson was in avail and you know he's now about thunder pussy but like to me 
I like knew who he was, but he was for me it was he was unreproachable because like he was uh-huh, in these bands, right. and then he starts bouncing at <laughs> McCormick, right, right? And I'm like, hey. <laughs> You're in his band. You got a lot of access to him. You're like uh, awesome. You're drunk that like to drink at McCormick's. Yeah, like, you know, he's actually helped me make not bad decisions. I've talked to him a lot, too. I've had the same kind of experience with him. You and I, I think, probably similar kinds of drunks, you know. Probably. Yeah, uh, big dudes, like, kind of throwing their personality around, you know. And he always kind of kept me in in line. But, you know, I want to say this before we get... We're, we're at a good point here. I don't want to go too much longer. Okay, the, uh, we can wrap the, it up. But this is a good place because you keep talking about the veil, right? The veil that's, you know, obscuring your uh, awareness of something at a particular yeah. time. And there was a band you mentioned earlier called Veil of, of Maya. Yeah. And that's like a, a thing in, in Buddhism and I think maybe even Hinduism yeah. before that, which is that it's the world of illusions, you know, that, you know, there is a, a, a quintessential world a reality is a thing behind that and we can't see it most of the time because there's this whole world of illusion around us and um, some of it is constructed for us but a lot of it is constructed by us you know a whole lot of it is just by by as you know things that you get you get you believe you bought into you said this is true that's not true all of that kind of shit you click the subscribe button right you subscribe to that belief exactly and at any given time, if you're lucky, something pierces that veil. You know, if you're, and there are all of these, all these different arts that are there designed to pierce that veil. And you're, you know, whether it's kung fu or playing music or meditation or whatever, it's all addressing the same thing that we can really get ourselves fooled. We can really do it to ourselves. We can pick blindness, you know. And if we're lucky, every so often something comes through and, and you see something on the other side and you pull that veil aside and you you go on and you go to the next thing. And uh, it's probably a good place to wrap it up because that's, <laughs> that's what you're doing, man. That's what I'm trying that's to do. That's what you're doing, dude. So, um, here's like, the veil. Ho- ho- well, hopefully this X-Knives thing will be my, like, choice to, because I'm really trying to go down that road, like, of, yeah. of purity. Like, I'm not a pure person <laughs> by any means, but... Yeah, I'm trying to lift that veil off myself and the veil that other people see me as. And that's mostly, uh, that's still you. Because you don't know what the fuck other people think. Yeah, it's it's all solely me. Yeah. I want to feel like when I step forward that like and I'm I presenting. I speak from experience with this kind of thinking. I'm not trying to say no, like, like Dr. Freud and I'm. No, straight you know. up like I, fuck me. We were probably like the same type of drunk assholes. And I am trying to like do this new thing the right way because I feel like I'm one of I you can't change anybody through any type of means love fucking bruise nothing you can't change another person unless they want to change for themselves or they hear it and that's what music was telling me is like hey right. you gotta change how you're approaching this you know what I think change is is, is the word we use most of the time but in a lot of cases it's not about changing the person it's about getting all of the bullshit that is out of the way of that authentic person being who they are the good shit about them is being clouded by a bunch of bad shit that they've bought into and if you gradually take the trash out you wind up with a nice house you know that's exactly <laughs> that's that's what i'm hoping this x knives thing will will be because i i'm trying to stream back the bullshit i'm trying to do the josh i'm, I'm basically I'm going to be pulling myself out of everything. I'm not even going to fucking play any music, play a show until like maybe, you know, maybe a year from now. Yeah. Well, 
important thing that I keep coming back to, and this was given to me as a mantra when I was living in New York, and I was sitting at, you know, I was running a restaurant. I was standing there talking to one of the waiters, and he was older than me. He'd been a junkie and a musician for a million years, and got involved in Est and all this stuff. And I was fretting about the people who worked at the job I just got fired from and how I was going to go to this show and they were all going to be there and they're going to be thinking this and judging me and whatever. And he goes, I got, listen, man, listen, hold on a second. I got a new mantra for you. I want you to repeat after me. Okay. Fuck them. That's all, <laughs> that's all there is to it. Yeah. Fuck them. Yeah. Fuck them. Yeah. So God damn it. I just recorded this really great outro for this. And I deleted it. So I'm going to try to remember what I said. So first of all, that's a great mantra. Fuck them. The thing is, is that all these people that you think are judging you as really you judging yourself through them. You know, I have this imaginary kind of chorus that, you know, like the Greek chorus of people who are watching me and judging me going, boo, Curtis is a joke. Curtis is an asshole. Curtis is a mean, abusive boyfriend. Um, Curtis is a loser. Curtis is this, Curtis is that. That's all me saying that about myself. And I wager that any of you that have an internal dialogue like that, that you are attributing to others, that's you doing it to yourself. You do it to yourself. It's true. You and no one else. So I realize that now, but, you know, it's you can get into this in little... Low-level insanity. You get too isolated. You spend too much time alone watching too much Netflix. And then just, you know, up inside your head and can get all negative. It really doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. Nobody knows anything better than you. Nobody knows anything better than anybody else. And you catch yourself judging other people or thinking other people are judging you. Just remember what we say on Tantric Conversation. Namaste, motherfucker. The divine asshole in me recognizes the divine asshole in you. We are all from the same stuff. We were brothers and sisters a long time ago. We're all trying to make our way. We're all trying to do our best. Forget the illusions. The illusions of race. The illusions of sex. The illusions of class. The illusion that we're separate from each other. We're not. We're all one thing. It's all one organic ball floating through space. The earth has peopled the way an apple tree apples, as Alan Watts once said. We grew out of this stuff. We all grew out of the same place. We're all the same thing. So remember, judge not lest you be judged. You're just doing it to yourself. So lay off yourself. Stop taking things so hard. Try to put some good shit out there. Try to love. Try not to judge. Try to help people instead of knocking them down. Hustle more than you hate. Good night.